What up, everybody? I want to welcome you all back to the Socks and Sandals podcast, where society, culture, history, and religion collide, and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. It's your boy Emmanuel. I'm back in the living room. I'm whipping it up. And uh, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audio book download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash SXSNDLS. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And I have a very special guest. I am. We are doing this on 9-11-2018. A good friend. And I got my guy... He taught me in high school social studies, man. And you were the realest teacher at Benson High School, hands down. Uh, always, is... always kept it a buck, you know, from day one. Thank Jeff Lillibo, man, say what's up to the people. What's up to the people? Um, I want to thank you because that's a high compliment when you said I kept it the realest. Um, hands that's down. one of the things I valued the most um, was the compliment that came from, well, obviously my students of color is it. To reach that, reach reach that community and have that feedback um, was um, empowering to me, and it told me I was doing the the right thing. So Word. appreciate hearing it again. No doubt, no doubt, <laughs> absolutely. Man. So tell the people that don't know you, that didn't go to Benson High School, that's not from Portland, Oregon, who don't know the legend of Le- uh, Jeff Lillibo. <laughs> tell them who you are, where you're from, and, and what you're about, man. Well, I'm a Southern Oregon guy. Um, grew up, family. Um, Actually built homes here in the Killingsworth neighborhood. My great grandparents, um, Scandinavians, obviously my silly name, and then myself. I um, went to school, then went on to become an army ranger, and um, got back out, and then became a teacher, coach at Benson, mm-hmm. and um, obviously social studies was always really attractive to me in U.S. history because it paired well with my military career, etc. But um, <clears throat> I guess the thing that I want to lead into tonight is um, how it intersected with going from becoming a soldier to arriving at being a statesman, uh, understanding finally as I get older my faith, and how those pieces fit together, and uh, what they mean, and starting to recognize moments in my life, like tonight is 9-11, which was by sheer circumstance or happenstance that we arrived. Hmm. Um, but I'll start with my first uh, reality that I was moving towards, uh, I guess, this uh, acknowledgement and awareness of civil rights. I was 11 years old. Mm. And a white kid in Oregon learning about civil rights would seem very weird. But the individual I got to hear speak that 11 years old that year was Dick Gregory. Mm. All right. That was my first taste. That's legendary. All right. That's legendary. Boom, right? Yeah, yeah. And I um, I took it upon myself, took myself to the uh, college at the time. I was going to an experimental school. And uh, my dad said, yeah, you go. And um, that was the beginning of my enlightenment. And then um, uh, yeah, Bobby Kennedy. Mm. And that year, um, obviously, uh, I was old enough to remember the assassination of JFK, the beginning and the end of the dream, I might say. Mm. But then um, I was also got to see Bobby Kennedy the day before he died mm. and was very, very close to him um, because of um, him speaking at the community college mm-hmm. um, where my mother worked. And uh, those things began to impact my life. Mm. And also being open to cousins of color and being in Coos Bay, never being aware of it until I was being made aware of it by outside forces. 
Mm. Not within my family. Mm-hmm. Not within my circle. Mm-hmm. Not, but within the outside forces of the white community that I was in. Mm-hmm. And somewhere in there, uh, <laughs> that allowed me to have a consciousness. Mm-hmm. That when I heard things, I knew it wasn't right. Mm-hmm. And it sat bad in my heart. Mm-hmm. And when I saw other things. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. I think for me... Um, I know that I'm ignorant and I can never be part of the experience, but I was able to uh, realize that um, somewhere online, I guess it's about involvement, not devolvement. And devolvement would be one of the terms I would uh, apply to this current mentality that's happening with the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. It's a devolvement, and it, rather than evolvement, of awareness and of humanity and of democracy. Mm-hmm. And so that that's, I guess, what kind of brings us here tonight again as, as well. Well, I want you to tell people about your military background. You are a veteran. Like, you know, how, where did you serve? How long? All that good stuff. Uh, I'm a grenaded baby, if you will. Um, Reagan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like Ronald Reagan. I mean, that's so strange, but I think he was a very, I think he was a legitimate guy. He meant well. Mm-hmm. I don't, and I, and I really do, I'm not saying everything, all his decisions are right. Mm-hmm. War on drugs and, you know, and all that was a lot, but I think his intent and his ideals were wholesome. Mm-hmm. And that's what we are. We're a country of ideals. We know that the dream hasn't been attained. Mm-hmm. But we're after it. And so that's kind of where I'm at with it. Mm-hmm. Is um, I've become more after it. Uh, my military career, I didn't even know what Airborne Ranger was. Mm-hmm. Um, I was messed up in school and some other stereotypic thing. You know, Dad says, hey, you got to go straighten yourself out. Mm-hmm. And so um, I went in and um, I saw this thing this thing, this carrot in front of me, and that was this title, Snake Eater, these guys that are warriors of the night that everybody feared, and they were elite, and they were fit, and at the time, they kept saying, well, you're a college boy, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, and I'm like, I want to do that, I want to, I want to, you know, I want to climb up in those cliffs, I want to jump out of those airplanes, I want to, and, and you got to, you got to tell people about, like, what the Rangers, like, how important of a role, and how, like, exclusive of a group that is, you know what I mean? Um, back in the day, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell a little bit about my journey about how be, how difficult it is to become one. Let's go to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, hi, um, Fort Ord at the time when I was there initially, we had ten thousand men. Of the ten thousand six hundred, said, "Oh, hey, they want to be Rangers." Mm-hmm. Um, acknowledging the difficulty of of the six hundred, one hundred twenty five went, or they became what they call qualified or passed through Ranger indoctrination program and were sent and. Um, of the 125 that went, 42, 44 of us made it. Of the 44 of us that made it, 12 of us made it the first time through. Mm. I made it first time through. Mm. <laughs> and so, uh, and my ranger buddy, um, Tim Barclay, who, by the way, is a doctor of psychology uh, through Liberty University and has written a lot of uh, theological uh, aspects about faith, etc. Mm. So both of us, uh, uh, even though we were, the quote, life taker heartbreakers, had this huge connection, obviously, mm. you know, and we, we were uh, definitely brothers in arms, you know. That's dope. So, yeah. I mean, it's, but interesting, though, because we went separate ways, but and we've actually talked about writing books maybe on, or working in collaboration on PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my own particular take on it, um, yeah. because I'm used to being an Oregon boy, and maybe cannabis being uh, a, really a, a good thing, though, for for, for, sure. for those people. Yeah. And so yeah. that's my, my, my perspective on that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Of the 120, okay, so we went through the numbers of that. Rangers, a uh, very elite program. Back in the day, um, we had carried about 1,800 the military. Now we have three battalions. So there's probably about double that at any time in the United States Army. Mm -hmm. um, very difficult, the most difficult leadership uh, course that the military has. Mm -hmm. They do send some um, Marines to school there, and some of their... Um, Special guys, mm. if you will, will mm. come. Um, the Thais will also send some other guys, and those little Thai guys are tougher than hell. Mm. No quit. Yeah. No quit. Yeah. Um, which will lead me probably into, I guess, my first also when I get a little bit about the value of life. Um, the first fellow soldier that I lost mm. was a brother, mm -hmm. if you will, from my company, left behind a wife and a child, drowned in training mm -hmm. right behind me by a few weeks or so I just finished jungle training in Florida and um, he drowned in a water crossing mm. yeah um, his name is forever enshrined there uh, at the ranger school but um, very difficult it was very difficult and it was a it slapped home in my face too also how what I was really doing mm -hmm. because there's a certain bravado that, you know and you have to really believe you have to believe mm -hmm. and um, so there's, there's an amazing amount of faith in an organization that people might say oh look look at these you know dollars of God you know this these warriors but uh, very much um, uh, a presence of Jesus Christ in our um, in our being, in our mm -hmm. daily life, that mm -hmm. many people would be really surprised. Um, but I would also say, kind of like football. I mean, well, like, you, like in football, everybody's praying. Well, you have to believe, right? <laughs> right well, y'all, yeah, right? I'm racing, pray I'm racing motorcycles game. now, right? Yeah. And there's a huge adrenaline rush at the start. Mm -hmm. But the starting line, there's faith. Yeah. Because we all sort of don't knowledge that that first corner can be catastrophic, right? Be over. So you, you got to. Yeah. And I talk to him. Yeah, right. There's nothing wrong with that. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. I think Not that's part. Of we are part of our societies. You know, I don't want to come off again. I'm really cautious on that because I love my secular society, but we've become embarrassed about this thing of faith and ashamed. It, which is and ridiculous. It's, it's weird, but that's that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast. Uh, it's all about unapologetic expression. So no matter what you believe, you know, in this space that I create, nobody is going to be ridiculed for what they believe. You know, and that's the thing, like a lot of us, a lot of times it's ridicule because you just don't understand, and, you know, and so and then you think, you know, and you hear what's spouted on the media or whatever. And then you kind of just make up, you kind of follow what they say. And so that I think we're also a person can know the world without leaving their village. But most of us can't do that. Mm -hmm. For me, I had to go out and seek the world and see the world mm -hmm. to learn. Um, I had a sergeant major, sergeant major Washington. Vietnam veteran, 160 pounds, six feet, just wire. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, the thing like Washington is a black man, and he was able to attain his rank and his respect, if you will, through his actions and you know his duties. Mm -hmm. And um, he used to once in a while call me Hayseed, and I never liked it, but I didn't understand it as well. But over I time, that. well, he would call me Hayseed. It was like what he was telling was, "You better be listening to me," because he was giving me counsel. Mm. And I'll get I'll give you an example of one time he and he's um we had a uh it was just a don't ask, don't tell period, mm. right? So mm -hmm. uh homophobia <laughs> was right. Mm. And um here this man is a sergeant major, 
you know, you see what most of us call a guy that chews barbed wire and pees napalm, you know, just this warrior god. Yeah. And, um, you know, even colonels bow down to the sergeant major, my friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. They're enlisted, but they earned, they've earned it. Mm-hmm. And so you can see it in her eye, too. They got that mm-hmm. thousand yard stare. Mm-hmm. But he said, he called me uh, Hasey because there was this individual at the time. Um, we'll just call him Bad Brad. One of the greatest warriors I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Was a lieutenant, was homosexual, but was absolutely proficient at his job mm-hmm. and was great with his men, was a superior leader. Mm-hmm. I had two other lieutenants that I was working with. They were absolute morons. Mm-hmm. One of them pulled his dive mask off while he was down at 40 feet, basically sucked the eyeballs out of his head. He had a raccoon mask. Like you took a, my face and took a magic marker and blacked it all the way around mm-hmm. and they colored it red here. Mm-hmm. He could not deny it. It was, it was perfect. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> oh, yes. That's that was funny. Lieutenant Twinkie. Um, Skippy was a good man. But... Um, I didn't know what to do about Bad Brad. And um, I remember calling my father mm-hmm. no less than probably 20 times saying, you know, this thing's going to come down to a court martial and it's, it's going to be ugly. And uh, I don't know how to, you know, how do I play my cards? Not the social media, I play my cards, but what is the right thing to do? Mm-hmm. And I had to look and I stopped and then on. Uh, Sergeant Major, um, I, you know, I was seeking his counsel. And I said, look, because I knew his aide-de-camp. And his aide-de-camp was super swishy, just one of these guys, right? And I said, you know Nash is, you know, funny. And he looked at me and said, you damn hasty little bo. He said, they've been in the Army then, they've been in the Army now, and they'll be in the Army later. Mm-hmm. He said, they serve a purpose, learn how to deal with it, you hayseed, mm-hmm. and walked away. Mm-hmm. Well, at the time, all I hear is hayseed. And I'm thinking, you call me a dumb, I'm an airborne mm. ranger. I'm... Well, what he was doing was he was saying, wake up to the real world. Mm-hmm. So, when he, so when he called you that, it was something that you need to pay attention to. It was, it was a, it may have felt derogatory. He wasn't put down, but mm-hmm. he was putting me in my place and I you know, respect him. I remember it for it. Mm-hmm. He taught me that. You know, yeah, he yeah. taught me, look, look, dude, you know, you better look hard at, you know, what you're doing. And that individual that I did not go after. Went on to become a major in the Special Forces. Green Beret. Mm-hmm. Six foot two, 225 blouse of Rick Black Stud. Mm-hmm. And I love him like mm-hmm. my brother. Mm-hmm. I love Brad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, so I know I made now. I know now in, in this year I made the right decision. Word. But there was a challenge there, but I, I was taught by a skinny black warrior mm-hmm. who called me a hayseed mm-hmm. what the truth was. Mm-hmm. And what you know, and, and evaluate. You know, he was telling me you, you better look hard about who you like. And, and coming from where you came from, you had never had a black man talk to you like that, right? No, and I didn't. I didn't feel though. I had a relationship with him though that wasn't. Um, I didn't feel uh, offended. Mm-hmm. I just scratched my head like, what the hell was stupid about me? What made me? Why is that? Why am I hayseed? Mm-hmm. Well, he's because he's so much more worldly. Mm-hmm. Even though he didn't have a college education, he knew the damn world. Mm-hmm. He'd seen it. He'd lived it. Yeah. Yeah. Real I life. Was a real life I, yeah, I was a hasty. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, so I, I just, you know, really appreciate him now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can't, I'd love to see him. I know they're going to have a 7th reunion, 7th uh, Division reunion soon, and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll catch up, I, I'm sure. Um, 
That's dope. But that was a yeah, was a, that was a great moment. Well, yeah. Let's. And, oh, well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh well, I think that leads us kind of to this deal with Kaepernick. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say let's 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 jump into and, the, yeah, this topic. Into, I, I, I mean, yeah, I, and, and because you are a veteran with all the Kaepernick stuff, I mean, we know what happened with Nike. You know, I think he's been out the league. Two, is it two years now? Yeah, like season, season, one, season. one whole season, yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, sure. uh, uh, yeah. So, so Cap got his deal with Nike, um, and it was all about. But he's, you know, obviously ridiculed by the Trumpers and whatever for disrespecting the flag and disrespecting our troops and all that. So you, as a veteran, and I'm sure you talk to your other, you know, veteran yep. friends. I'll let you speak. For them, for yourself, and also for them, if, if you well, want I can't to. speak for all of them, okay, but I'm going to okay. speak for a lot of them. And you have to remember that when I, when I speak about this, I speak about a community that was the first community to desegregate. It was not out here. It was not in schools. Mm-hmm. It was in the United States Marine Corps, actually, on the U.S. Army, that they desegregated. And then quickly it followed. What year was that? Uh, World War Two, and that was by obviously by need, by, ne- by necessity, right? Yeah, yeah. But because pre- previously in World War One and stuff, we had segregated units, mm-hmm. and the French loved African American troops. Mm-hmm. And I could get into the Buffalo Soldiers and the truth about the French still love yes us. Period. Correct. Correct. <laughs> we go over there, and it's Correct. like instant celebrity. Correct. Yeah, yeah. It, it's um, well, they, they've been. I'll get to France because I worry about France because sure. it's um. It's part of our heritage. It's part of our ideals. I always consider myself a philosoph. And those guys were so important to democracy and freedom and the ideas of liberty. Mm-hmm. And that's what I worry about France right now. Anyway, yeah. back to Cap. Yeah. Um, Jesse Ventura, the wrestler and former governor, mm-hmm. I think said it best. is The right to protest is what we fought for. And it may not feel good. Mm-hmm. And it may, may make you uncomfortable. But it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. If it felt comfortable, we would dismiss it. The commercial, if you will, is nothing like what people blew it up to be. Mm. It is. There's nothing offensive about it at all. Oh, the, the just do it the, commercial. The, the, the new cap yeah, commercial. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, there, there's nothing about it at all. And when they, I know that Chris Kyle's wife, uh, the sniper, if you will, is a little bit upset about it. And I get her idea that sacrifice everything is a little bit much yeah, because yeah. I've seen I've seen men and there are men that I know here in the community that have sacrificed unbelievably mm-hmm. um, and unselfishly as well mm-hmm. so but that was not the point the point is that he did pay maybe for his career that the thing is it's, it's a movement and it's a re, it's a it's a message that we need to hear, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm changing my mentality. I hate the term conversation because that is a, a I'm also pejorative. I tell you, I'm gonna have the conversation. It reminds me of white America telling you, "Well, listen to you, bitch," but we're not gonna change a damn thing. Exactly. And I so I, I if I ever use that again, or if I do tonight, please try and correct me, but realize that's not what I mean. Noted. Because that is that is rhetoric, and that is um yeah. It's it's um I hate. I'm, it. I'm I, done listening to the conversation. Word. And so, as I'm admitting to you, the cap thing and the the uh, the anger that I hear from the current administration has moved me towards becoming maybe more radicalized. Even though I consider myself um, right of center, um, a bit of so- a social conservative, but a, uh, so I should say social liberal, but structural conservative. Mm-hmm. 
what I do realize now in my six years of life is that we're not going to give it to you. You're going to have to take it. And it was, we could have had the NAACP struggling and struggling and struggling and taking on the courts and not a thing would have occurred. It took, so you it say, takes when Malcolm you X. Say, when you say we're not going to give it to you, what are you saying exactly? I mean, white America. and white the institution. I believe give... the, the government itself and it doesn't want to be, but the institution that we've created itself mm-hmm. and the laws and the structure themselves mm-hmm. are biased. It's oh, yeah. undeniable, mm-hmm. and and so when Cap demonstration makes one little small thing, which is police brutality against young, especially young black men in America. Mm-hmm. I have to say, after standing back as a school teacher, as a veteran, as a family member, he's right, mm-hmm. and if we need to do something about it, or else there's going to be a reaction, and it's they're going to say, "Oh, look at." How radical you are. Look how violent you are. No. The violence has already been perpetrated. There's a policeman here in Portland that has shot two black men. One in the back, right? And his mm. brother had, been, had died just that day. Mm. And he's still collecting money mm. from the city. And the union is defending him. Mm. And if the union, and I'll pick on the Portland Police Bureau. If the union is a brotherhood, you're not defending your brothers. If you're protecting that man, mm-hmm. that man is not the brother of that union. Yeah. He's a, he's a disease. So I guess that's kind of where I, I guess I'm I'm coming up from. And I'm also looking at it from Father Romero and Catholic theology, which we call liberation theology. Mm. The, the lower echelons at the time of the Catholic Church, especially in Central America, mm. began to move towards leftist and supporting or the claim supporting revolutionaries mm-hmm. violent revolutionaries mm-hmm. but I now like I say see that violence isn't the answer but it seems to apparently get some people's attention mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not you know everyone's yeah. going to condone that I am you know I understand civil disobedience maybe that's probably what has to happen so the the cap demonstration NFL all of this hype that's around it I know that it's not going to change anything you know that it's not going to change anything um, they'll wait it out and that's part of this term you are talking about the conversation the conversation and, and no it, it, that's what I'm I'm growing tired of it and maybe but look yes. from a young man's perspective I'm only 33 years old all I've done is watch videos of what happened in the 70s and, and, and 60s yeah. yeah so my summation of this whole struggle is that I feel like black, black people are doomed because if we do try, if we do rise up, we don't have the firepower, and yeah, you, you know, and you we don't arm struggle. No, that's yeah, that's, that's but look, given. we don't we don't even have any diplomatic. We don't have anything. That's the. F- we have no big brother. We don't have a country that can come in and be like, "Hey, I hear nope. some money. Hey, here's here's a politician. Here's a king. Here's a prince that we're gonna." We don't have anything, so we're on our own. We don't have any money. No, well, you're right. <laughs> Collectively, you're right. Yeah, yeah. correct. You and know, who would you turn to? The continent, if you will, it has doesn't have the resources, nor is it necessarily. It doesn't have the control. It has the resources, but it doesn't have the control. Control the resources. resources. I meant by that financial resources right there for them. Yeah. But uh, nor would they necessarily have an interest because of 
the destruction of culture yeah. and their perspective on who you are here. Yeah, for sure. So the, 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 coloni- it, the colonization of the land. Well, you look at Liberia, right, and those that have gone back and how they've suffered, if you will. Yeah. So it's, it's you know, maybe you know, maybe we can see that in reflection of what's maybe happening with South Africa right now. The ex- South Africa, they they about to do it though. They're, 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 they're going to expel the white farmers, right? Which uh, Zimbabwe is where Dish already has. Mm-hmm. So, but as a result, we, we do see that it does. It has hurt economically. It's going to hurt, just like I mean, not as bad as Haiti, but it's going to be like could be similar, you know. Except for South Africa has more natural resources that they can. Oh, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, so it's not going to be as bad as Haiti. Unbelievable. Yeah. No, Haiti. Um, interesting. I mean, you bring that one up because that's also the only successful slave revolt uh-huh. ever. Uh-huh. Well, I guess maybe that. Maybe, as far maybe as that's uh, what, yeah, that I mean, would, wouldn't Moses be the most, for, the most successful or first successful? I mean, what he, he let them out and then he wiped out the Egyptian army when he got swallowed by the sea. So. I don't know. I, I, I see where you're going. With that. I mean, I'm just I saying. We always like to. Yeah, we always yeah. like to give credit to the <laughs> new kid on the block. If you right. but, I I, but, if, but Haiti would be the first successful was, against white supremacy. Absolutely, or colonialism. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Colonial slavery. I agree. Yeah. The only. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So when you when you say like we have to take up some type of. I don't know. I I don't know because like we were mentioning, we we know that the institution itself the. The system. The, the, the system itself, whether it be gerrymandering of voting districts, mm-hmm. whether it be the fact that, like you say, you are a minority. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's not we, even we, it's we, not even a minority part. It, it, it's um, how do you so how do you control your own destiny and get parity? And that's what you're really asking for, correct? And that's the only that, this what I'm asking for. Well, my, my democracy is not going to be healthy. The republic is not healthy until this. The citizens are healthy, if you will, right? The body itself is not healthy. The body mm. politic is not healthy. But it, but but the body isn't even that strong. It, well, I mean, the body doesn't have to be strong, in my opinion. The system. Yeah, well, the system's that, well. That, the system is strong. Okay, I'm down, and here, yes, it is. And here, and here's the the warning on that. Um, a long time ago, Ben Franklin said, "Gentlemen, you have a democracy if you can keep it." And what we're seeing is this development of, well, I believe is a demagogue or a despot in power, the president. Mm-hmm. And Congress has failed. The body, if you will, the legislative body. They failed us. And they waited and waited and waited until people, in a reactionary response, elected this guy. Mm-hmm. And they are it appeals to them. Militarism seems to appeal to them. Crudeness and rudeness seems to appeal to them. Mm-hmm. Certainly, sexism seems to appeal to them. Racism mm-hmm. seems to appeal to them, mm-hmm. and oppression. So, do you think this regime? It is a regime. This. <laughs> do you think that this regime is worse than? I don't know. As far as when when we're talking about the struggle that. The, that black people are having mm-hmm. in America, mm-hmm. is it worse for us with this regime versus Obama versus Bush? Let's say Bush. Absolutely. Okay. But here's how. In, in your uh, opinion. He, he, well, here's how I'm going to caution that. Yeah. Is that let's go back in history. We'll go with Reagan, and I'm going to go with, start with the war on drugs. Mm-hmm. Okay. And war on drugs disproportionately targeted young black men. 
and certainly I can begin with the crack academic and uh, uneven sentencing versus powder versus crack rock, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so we begin with that one. But one of the big things also is that then they created this war on drugs, but they won it. They had a million and a half guys in jail because of Reagan and Bush. But another million went in under Clinton, Clinton. because he did the three strikes you're out. Mm -hmm. And Clinton or Slick Willie, if you will, isn't necessarily the, the, the Democratic Party wanted to look like they were tough on crime. Mm -hmm. And so they came out with that policy to sell America on the idea that they were going to be hard on crime. America bought it, and the result is the million African-American men that are in prison mm -hmm. for three strikes. Mm -hmm. Ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. Think of the waste of energy and humanity and intelligence and resourcefulness that is there. One thing I would it's always argue... It's only a waste if you value it. Well, I personally value it. I know Apparently, you do. The, the system... Well, the system... The system does well, the, not value well, it. It does, though. And here's... I mean, the penal system is a moneymaker. They've yeah. taken the money away somebody from the universities a little bit. Mm -hmm. And what we've got is a penal system that puts you in. And then you also have things like probation and parole that let you out so they can get you back in. Mm -hmm. And it's become a giant financial institution. Mm -hmm. They have created prisons that when they signed and built these, they have to fill them. That was a deal in the contract. Yeah, they but don't, they, don't, they don't have to fill them with black people. No, but what they did was but. they found able, one way to do it. Right? Mm -hmm. Who are they going to fill it up with? Their own kids? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So they value their own kids. They're going to oh, leave, leave them alone. Absolutely. Come but on. But the, the throwaway people, oh, God, uh, get, come on. Round them up. Round them up, guys. Correct. <laughs> you know what I mean? Correct. So whatever ingenuity, but, whatever, whatever. And in that have. becomes this cycle that if I keep, let's use the, let's, let's use the generic, oh, they come out, they're, they're black animals. Mm -hmm. Well, I've just put you in a cage. I'm gonna come out an animal, and you've treated me like an animal, mm. and so you, I subjugate you and I train you to mm. be an animal, and then let you out. And then as soon as you behave or misbehave, I go look at that animal. Mm. The system is rigged to defeat. Oh, and, for sure. And it, so that's I guess that's what I'm burned out on, and I um, I see as we mentioned like the wealth at one percent. Right, mm -hmm. one percent of the wealth, all wealth, ninety percent is with one percent. Mm -hmm. They don't understand economics. Who doesn't? They don't. They don't. Even though, yes, let me explain mm. to you why they don't. Okay. They're the ones that are going to make the money when people buy stuff. Correct. They are the ones that own stuff. Mm -hmm. Henry Ford figured it out when he made that little Model T, and everybody in his company could afford to buy it. Mm. They he paid them enough so everybody could buy it. When the middle class in America, which is leaving. Buys washing machines and TVs and sofas and TVs and computers and mm -hmm. toys for their kids. Mm -hmm. That's when they make money. Mm -hmm. They can only buy so many toys. They can only buy so many things because they don't need, after they have so much, right? There's mm -hmm. a saturation point of 1%. Mm -hmm. This all this other population here that could be powering the economy has been disenfranchised. I think they know, but they don't care. They don't know. They know they don't care as long as they have. As long theirs, as they're taking care will. of yeah. Absolute, absolutely. Because I think a lot of this stuff is just more about power. It's not about well. It, it, arri fair. it arrives. It, it, it correct. It arrives at power. Yeah. And and money and power, all of that, 
So if I have a, a bigger piece of the pie than you, even if it, even if it's a small pie, if I got more than you, I got more power and I can do whatever I want. Correct. You know. And like we back to France here, Voltaire, right? Mm-hmm. Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's probably will lead to the next thing. I find it really interesting that Trump brings his family into his cabinet mm-hmm. and has them working as diplomats. Mm-hmm. I've never, I've never seen. That. Well, I guess I take that back. Bobby Kennedy worked for John as uh, the Attorney General. Okay, and he was aggressive, right? He went, he went after organized crime. That's maybe some of the mm. reasons they. That's why he got. Well, work. that's mm-hmm. you know some of the theory on that. I'm not going to get too much into conspiracy theory in that regard. Yeah. Um, but the uh, don't mess with the mob. Don't mess with the mob, bro. There's this, exactly. Well, you know, and here's the thing on that, though. There's more honor and truth, maybe, in that society than there is in this government that you and I are talking about. People were talking about, they say, these kids that were in prison. Mm-hmm. The stereotypic comment I hear is, oh, they're no good. They have no sense of honor. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell them bullshit. Some of the most truthful and honest people that I've ever met are dope dealers because everything they do is predicated upon their word and their honor. Mm-hmm. If they step out, they pay with their life. Mm-hmm. So they must be honest, mm-hmm. especially for these people that are all say, oh, there's drugs, there's scourge. Well, it's going on out here relatively non-violently. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not violent, but it's not necessarily this mass turf war. It's evolved. Yeah. It's evolved. Yeah. Especially with the dark web and all that type of stuff. People are just mailing the drugs to each other. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so so my, my thing is with, you know, whether it's Trump, whether it's Obama, whether it's Clinton, I feel like it doesn't matter who's in. Because black people were getting killed while Obama under every, was under office. Under every one of those people you, we, uh, you we were The United States under Obama, you know, doing drone strikes. Like, we were still terrorizing other countries. Do you agree or no? Obviously, I don't have a military background. Well, I, I don't either because I mean, I, I mean, I was removed from some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do question why we've been over there in, in this protracted war. We know that there were no weapons of mass destruction with Saddam. Right. All right. Right. And um, so that was a big. F- I remember watching that on the news when they had the little thing and they were just mapping it out. I was like, "Oh, see it right here. This is where they keep it moved." It was so elaborate. It was all. It was that. all a hoax, right? It was all fake. It, it was all a fake. It was all fake. And they didn't, you know. I and at the same time, I don't know what he was thinking. Cash grab. The, the, well, the guy who actually won. There's. There's there's, an argument that these countries, uh, Gaddafi being one of them, uh, are on as well. That they wanted to stick to a gold standard. They did not want to participate with the World Bank. Mm. And because of their gold wealth and their oil wealth, they didn't have to. And there's mm. a great speech you ever listen to, Muammar Gaddafi, okay. who normally has been portrayed as this whacked Tyrant. out. Yes, mm. but he when he speaks before the UN and he speaks about the inability of the small guy mm. to be able to really be sovereign, mm-hmm. and that the states and the super states uh, will essentially dictate. The, these outcomes, he was right on the money, mm-hmm. right on the money. We turned him over, we turned him over into the street, we turned Saddam over to, you know, essentially they were chanting, you know, what we then later labeled terrorists' name when they hang him. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. brutality. So mm. 
not that, you know, when the coach said we dismissed the, the brutality of their culture. Right. So, very interesting. Yeah, man. Um, well, let's let's move on a little yes. bit to uh, Pat Tillman. Okay. Played in the NFL. Yeah. Um, decided to go serve. I don't know what war he served in. Uh, it was this ones we're talking about now. The ones we're talking about right now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and, and, in, in the Middle East. Yeah, so and and yeah. it's actually invasion, second invasion of Iraq. Okay, so second invasion. 9-11 was what spurred his patriotism. Word. And um, then he was, he was killed in battle. And we know it was friendly fire. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it was, I, if we are conspiracy oriented, they were looking for a hero, right? Oh, don't, were, say they wanted, don't say that. I know that. I know that. That's. I mean, I hate to say that. Um, he was working with a partisan. I know, and the, it was just there was confusion. It does happen on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, NFL hasn't really used him. I don't think anybody's really used his. They haven't. Uh, you. They haven't even like with all this controversy with Cap and disrespecting. You know, veterans. And well, his like, mother, his parents have said, please do not involve um, Pat in this argument. There's dialogue, I should say. He, oh, they do not, so, that's, so that's by design. She, they do not want his his death to be politicized. They said oh. his actions were a choice by a man that believed in his country. Wow. And it, this stuff that's going on is extraneous, and it you know his, his sacrifice, if you will, had nothing to do with this other stuff. Right, right. And so I think that's uh, fair of them. Yeah. Okay. And, that's that's interesting. Now, now I get why he's he's rarely brought up. They, they've just said, "Hey, you don't back, but that don't speak for Pat." Okay. Right. And yeah. and he at the same time he has a, he, he doesn't have a chance to answer. Right. He has, doesn't have a chance to respond to, or see the Kaepernick thing and say, "Here's my take on it," mm-hmm. or "This is why I went." Mm-hmm. You know, because he he might be like Jesse Ventura or myself, totally supportive mm-hmm. of what this thing is. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's good to know. That's good to know that it's not like they're just ignoring that whole storyline. Like it's because the family has requested. Yes. Yes. They don't absolutely. Really, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's that, and so they've just tried to say we don't run really where like say Chris Kyle's wife has kind of uh, sounded off a little bit about it, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, their varied perspectives probably just, that's what's great about our country, right, is that we can have varied perspectives. And we, what we forget is we have so much more in common than we have uh, apart. Yeah. And, you know, every, I think that's maybe one of the things they're talking about 9-11, how suddenly everybody felt we were part of something. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's what it took to unite our country. But we forget, you know, we really do that... The struggle, I guess, that we were talking about earlier, is mm-hmm. is, is, is the very same. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it has not come very far, or maybe it hasn't long. But does it feel like it's come far enough from, from when I was a child? And you were mentioning the 60s and 70s, because mm-hmm. I was alive as a kid to see that and witness it. Um, and... Um, but I'm... I'll never forget, I guess. Like I say, for me, I... I like one of the people I like, like is X. A lot of people don't like X because Malcolm. For me, what I like about him is he evolved. He was uneducated, street pimp, drug dealer, etc. But as he became more aware of the world, he educated himself, mm-hmm. and he was a, a he was a changing human being. Mm-hmm. And that's all you can ask. Yeah. Um, where the heck am I going with that? Um, 
maybe how oh, we've... Oh, I was, I was thinking about um, my own growth when we were mentioned earlier. Yeah. And I'll never forget, um, in 1968, the raised fists of Tommy Johns and uh, Juan Carlos at the uh, Olympics. Mm-hmm. And at the time, you know, and, and, and also reading hit this, the history books, who's history, mm-hmm. is what I mean by that, mm-hmm. um, what a horrible thing it was. Mm-hmm. And I do remember reactions within my own household or wherever I was watching mm-hmm. um, and teaching at events. And, and then uh, Sharitha McKenzie saying, well, that poster's in my living room. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And I went, and at first I went, well, that's really wrong. Mm-hmm. But after having a moment with Leon, I went, Right on. Yeah. That was a moment of empowerment. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. Yeah. Now, one, one guy was what didn't really quite understand what he was getting himself into. The other guy completely did. And, mm-hmm. the, you know, the third athlete that was up there was completely supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> but it's interesting that, you know, I again, I was able to evolve and change my perspective on that and say, no, that was cool. Mm-hmm. And, oh, it did make us uncomfortable. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. We should be uncomfortable with it, and it's um, you know, I, I think that's one thing. I guess I I dug about Benson when I was there with you guys was that was a place I felt that there was uh, a, a sense of equality and pride mm-hmm. in that in that pursuit, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's because of schools, it's it's polytechnical nature or uh, the tradition of the kids that we had there because we had some great people. It was it was a really good environment, like because the kids that were there wanted to be there. Yes, yes, and there was family tradition. There was family. I mean, my everything family. right, everything right was about that. Yeah, you for sure. I mean? My right. my brother he went back in the early nineties, and my me and my sisters we followed suit, and uh, yeah, and it was a lot like you said, it was family environment. A lot of people did that, you know, and it was it was a really unique environment you know i don't know what happened i heard like when the no child left behind laws Correct. came in that it changed that and the then, selection process and then things aren't haven't been the same since that and the um the neighborhood schools wanted those kids back because the truth is there was what you might call a brain bleed the very best the jefferson neighborhood of the roosevelt neighborhood right was going to Benson. Yeah, I live in a Admittedly, yeah. those are also blue-collar neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. It's a blue-collar school, right? It's a trade school. Yeah. So, that's part of that. They wanted those kids back because oh. it would help their GPAs, okay. right? Okay. Because at the time, remember, we were looking at Jeff and Roosevelt being failing schools. Mm-hmm. So, when you bring back kids that are, you know, getting three-eighths at Benson, they're, mm-hmm. they're going to get four points at Roosevelt, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, that's that was part of the motivation as okay. well. Okay. Selfish, the principles, you know, and wanting to justify people's I mean, jobs. I mean, I I can I can understand that. Oh, sure, like recruiting athletes, right? Yeah. In a way, in a way. <laughs> yeah. But it's um. I mean, especially Roosevelt. I would say in Roosevelt's case, Jeff, they were they were they were still good. Oh yeah, yeah. because they had community pride. Yeah, for sure. And it was right? deep. And, and correct, and, yeah. and and that identity. Um, was uh, what what really has empowered, uh, and that community also is activist, right? Mm-hmm. As, as that Roosevelt community, and one, that's one thing I think I've always noticed is that the white, no, just the, the lower white economic community has no voice, mm-hmm. other than maybe we got maybe say the angry Confederate man, Confederate flag man wearing moron, mm-hmm. but that's not really a voice. The black community would get organized, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so that's why Jeff was able to, you know. 
stand for itself. Because mm-hmm. you know PCC, I think, wants to absorb that campus. I don't know that. but I'm like, sure they're praying on it. Yeah, I mean, because there's some valuable ground there. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that. And of course, historically, you look at Jeff was a very powerful athletic team in the early, like, 19s. Mm-hmm. It was a but it, it was a white neighborhood as well. That, mm-hmm. like I mentioned my, my grandparents these building houses in Killingsworth. Mm. But the, the, and the neighborhood's evolving. Of course, the Vanport flood, right, right, and the gerrymandering of that, and where they allowed people to move and not. So I want you to spend on that statement you said. <clears throat> the poor, the lower class white people, they don't have a voice. In it, they they're not organized. And when they do organize, they organize, or what what appeals to them, in my opinion, is is not, not, it is that angry sentiment that you and I see. When I think of poor white activism, unfortunately, I see sheets Mm. (laughs) and flags, and and I don't see them saying, and this is where they're really wrong, is in saying common cause. They have the same cause, if you will, that the poor African-American neighborhood has, that the poor Asian-American neighborhood has, that the Hispanic community has, mm. is that they need to be coming up. They need education. They need... Uh, to be honest, this is something I've, I've... I've thought about that. I'm like... Why... Why are you poor? I know this sounds like a very simple, kind of like, almost dumb question, but if you're white in America... Why are you poor, or even like why are you on the same level as a black person? Or because you're, because you're, you're not, in other words, there is a no, you're not, you're saying absolutely there's white privilege. Oh, for sure, I agree, I yeah, agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the system is, is built for you well, to there, win, um, and so why some of it's slovenliness, you know. I mean, after working my uh two years down in Roseburg, I was absolutely amazed, okay. Um, uh, the um. The laziness mm. um, of that culture, and uh, at the same time, it's a different kind of poverty. There's a a pride in it that's self it's self sufficient. A pride in it, poverty. In it, yeah, I got a beat up pickup truck. Oh. I live twenty miles out of town, yeah. but I got my gun in the back, and I got my deer in the back. Therefore, I am free, and I got country music, mm. and I got a Budweiser and some methamphetamine. Yeah. I mean, but to them, that's the, the life. And, Yes, and mm. they got their five acres and their trailer house, and for them, maybe yeah, they're rich or whatever. But it's also they don't at the same time they don't tap into all the social programs yeah. because they live twenty miles out. That gas that would cost to get in and back, mm. so they don't participate in uh, social programs. Mm. They'll still get their food stamps or SNAP or whatever they do, but it, it's not. Um, it's, it's not as obvious either. It's easy. 80% of Oregon's poverty is rural and it's white. Mm-hmm. And when it's over the top of the hill, over the top of the hill, you don't see it. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, therefore, in a way, it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So, now, if I want to be a bigot, mm-hmm. I can drive through Portland or I can drive through the barrio and you know, up near uh, Killingsworth where it joins in Sandy. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And you go, there's Latin American poverty. Or I can come out here and go, drive here to the villa, right? Mm-hmm. And go, there's African American poverty. Mm-hmm. Too easy, too easy. You've conglomerated it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and how is it? So that, then everybody can make this this uh, generalization mm-hmm. that well, look at all of them. 
Mm-hmm. No, look at all of you. Mm-hmm. You're just over the hill and through the woods. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to go to grandmother's house. <laughs> right. But uh, so that's the. Uh, it's a different kind of poverty, but there's also, like I say, a self sufficiency in it. But it's um it's self defeating. So it's so it's poverty, but there's freedom it's in po- it. Yeah, I, I was supposed to. It's poverty of the mind, mm. right? For yeah. sure. Yeah. But there's a richness in their cultural identification. You know, mm-hmm. they, there's some reason identification. I would say down there, if I we were to walk through there, every girl's got on camouflage. That is the number one. <laughs> yes, and a pair of Romeos and and, and blue jeans. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with it, but to you and I, it's like what? Yeah, really? Truly, yeah. I mean, you know, honey, um. I really don't need you to gut a deer for me. That's not good. That's not the kind of woman that I want. <laughs> all right. Now there's going to be guys out here watching this and listening and go, you're crazy. You know, but we all have our own tastes, right? But mm-hmm. that, that is to them. Yeah, that is it. I have a, a friend of mine that we're, we're to- teaching one day. This kid pulls in, lifted pickup truck. Mm-hmm. You already know he's a short white man with the spiked white hair. Mm-hmm. And he's got his little girl sitting next to him. Mm-hmm. And there's these antlers sticking out of the back of the truck. Mm-hmm. And my friend looks at me and goes, they're getting married. And I said, how do you know that? He goes, he just proved he's a provider. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so um, that's, I guess, what I found. And I guess also what I found out was um, what... I felt was maybe also an absent of maybe Jesus Christ. Mm. There, um, there's a, there are communities in it, but as far as living it, certainly like with the black culture where Sunday is a day to get dressed up and it's, it can, it, it may start at nine and it may not get the order until three. Mm. It's much drier it, for a lot of that community. It's come in, do my two hours, get up and walk out. Mm. Now there are smaller sects that are consumed with, tongues and mm-hmm. you know but they, but start, yes but they're not um caught up into the, the, the community of faith so much necessarily mm-hmm. how it uh, transcends into black culture mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. which is something i guess is super rich for you guys mm-hmm. which is something i'm just getting, getting to experience through my contact with gracie my significant other mm-hmm. um but um so she she taking you to church Oh yeah, or, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm getting drugged too, or what? I mean, I've always, I've always had that in me, or uh, was you know Sunday school kid, et cetera, as a child. Mm. So um, that, that that wasn't um, I, I never avoid, but um, that style of church, and but also the, the food afterwards, et cetera, the mm-hmm. community, the family, right? Yeah. So it, it, the function is different. Mm-hmm. All right, so yeah. that that's something that I'm getting to experience. Mm. So tell me about your your faith, man. Like I didn't. In high school, I don't think we talked about it. Well, um, what is I can't as a public school teacher. Oh, you just can't re- even say anything. Well, you're not supposed to, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I even had times there where I was at school, I told guys, hey, you need to take that cross off your shirt. Like, they had, there were a couple of teachers there where wear, mm. I'm not going to say their names, but um, the, you're not supposed to wear that. Just like I would be opposed to somebody necessarily wearing uh, even a Starved David. Mm-hmm. I, it, it's a secular school. That's what we love about our love about my country is that in the classroom, or if you will, or in our society, that there's not a dismissal of religion, but there's a, a tolerance of it. I mean, I believe in it. I, and people confuse the word tolerance too. Mm-hmm. Tolerance does not mean I support you. It does not mean I promote you. Mm-hmm. It means I tolerate your ass. Mm-hmm. All right. And so that's some of the things that people like. There's certainly the liberals. Liberal left has redefined what is tolerance, and that means, mm. oh, I, you have to accept 
their their mm, perspective. True. And so, and and that's well, I think that's it's become certain behaviors have become popularized. Yeah. The down low movement, for instance, or whatever mm-hmm. these things. I mean, like I said, we talked a little bit about it earlier when I mentioned my lieutenant, but it, it seems to be a, um, a, a popularism that isn't necessarily, um, I don't know, that necessarily earns my respect mm-hmm. or my, um, and that leads into, again, I don't, I don't need having to do with that with faith because my thing with faith is, is mercy and love. Mm-hmm. That's my God. And I, I was raised in that in that way and then later um, I went to Concordia of course mm-hmm. and uh, somewhat a dry place but there I was, I was baptized there but I also have always maintained an um, interest in it um, beyond that in uh, my own personal readings mm-hmm. and um, but political philosophy is very attractive to me as far as my reading most people look at it as droll and you have to read it probably three or four or five t- paragraphs at a time to really digest what some of these people are saying mm-hmm. they're brilliant Hobbes and Locke and these guys and Montesquieu, etc. I just I get lost in them. Mm-hmm. But um, I still, uh, you know, there's there is this thing that um, that, that, is, that I have to acknowledge in me, and that is the, this this element of faith. Mm-hmm. And that is, um, it's it's not easy to do. Mm-hmm. It's easy to remain secular, try to be above. But in my class, if you remember, as a teacher. I always tried to end the day with some type of moral story mm-hmm. or good that would maybe would come every day that, that there was a win in that that would uh, inspire somebody leaving my room mm-hmm. that would make them feel like, yeah, we're, we're still the good fight. Like you said earlier, yeah. you feel like you can't win. And I know that. Mm-hmm. I know that. That's I think that's maybe why I'm here tonight is mm-hmm. I'm, I'm acknowledging that. And if I'm feeling that mm-hmm. as I am. Mm-hmm. Then you must certainly, but I guess at the same time I'm saying no. I'm I'm with you. Let's fight <laughs> because um it, it, we have to. We have yeah. to. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna give up this. Um, this. I'm actually, I'm an idealist. So the American dream is real, but in that also is tied this concept of faith. This concept of um. There was a movie a long time ago made and. It was um, very simple, but um, um, I wish I could remember the actor. But he comes back and he's reincarnated. He's taken, he's take heaven can wait, and he's mm. taken by um, God, if you will, by accident. And in one one of his lives, he gets to become the president. And he says, "Well, if we're the good guys, why do we need to lie? If we really wear the white hat, why aren't we?" So that's, I guess, the kind of the way I'd like to see us. Mm-hmm. I know that there's a lot out there, like you say, that we don't know about, that we um, control our actions sometimes. Yeah. Um, you said something that got me thinking. Um, or you just said, like, you you want to, you definitely are down to join the fight with us, with, with black people in America for equal rights, fair treatment, everything that we deserve. Every, everything, you know period, I mean? yeah. Yeah, there's no, there's no. Are you down for reparations? Good question. I mean, we gave them, we gave the Japanese reparations. We've gave, you know, the Jewish, the Jewish we, we folks get money. All the, they still get money. Right? Not from the United States. Mm. I don't give this government Israel but huge don't, money. Don't they? Don't they pay for uh, um, like pilgrimages back to to Jerusalem for? I don't believe the United States government does that. I believe Not that's. Is, I never did. I don't think they did. did they mm. re- repatriate repatriation. I don't know about that. I heard about something going on recently. I, I, I got to look into it. I gotta yeah, it would be it. interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
to to know that I, I think that's all probably privately funded mm. uh, and obviously they have the funds yeah um, reparations is a um, a thing that I don't like to have a conversation uh, we, uh, <laughs> um, but it should be looked at because um, we, we look at the Native Americans and the way they've been ripped off let's say well, I'm using another group here mm-hmm. at the same time I, I don't like the idea of oh well we gave them gambling I don't <laughs> know that that's necessarily a good thing. Mm-hmm. They're getting some money, they're getting nicer houses, or whatever, the most mm-hmm. impoverished culture in America. Mm-hmm. But I just don't know that giving advice, and we'll say, yeah, what, what are reparations, what are reparations look like? The question, I guess, is that I'm afraid of is white Americans, and say, well, what is it gonna do with me? Mm-hmm. It's got everything to do with me, mm-hmm. right? But we're all gonna say, we're gonna say, well, that was 200 years ago, or that was, no, it's now. No, it's now. Steel. It, it's, <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah. If, if, if I were in, in our my said classroom again, mm-hmm. and all that diversity, and I said, who in this room wants to be a young black man and thinks it's the best deal going? Nobody would stand up because you know that when you walk out that door, you're targeted. Mm-hmm. And it's worse than that. It's, other people, civilians can target you. Zimmerman hunted down Trayvon. They have him dead to rights calling. They have Tavon calling for his own help. Mm-hmm. And they let him get hunted. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's just one of the yeah, jillion examples. reinforces. Well, that, and I, I mean, I have my white friends that say, well, you know, well blacks kill blacks, each other. I said, yes. I said, but it's because of. I said, I don't, I don't care about the numbers. I said, I care about the why. Mm-hmm. And if we see the why, then we can fix it. And it's, and it's not about, like, murder is going to happen anywhere in the world. So what what everybody is fighting for and what Cap is kneeling for is for justice. Not to end murder wholesale. People are going to murder people. Mexicans are going to murder well, people. But Whoever it, lives in but close but proximity to the each other. There's justice. That's, and that's, it's just simple. If we just start with that, and, and how can anybody object to that? What is the objection to that? They don't deserve. <laughs> They're well, animals. Uh, they don't. Boy, see, see, soon as I hear that, or when, when I, <laughs> if I, I have to dismiss that person. Mm. But you're right because but that, and then they will try and point out mm-hmm. statistics because I've had to since this conversation, which has been growing. I think time is accelerating. By the way, mm. I've had to get rid of more friends off of Facebook, friends, whatever those friends are, more mm. people off of Facebook. Right. I've had more arguments, and I just had a friend uh, text me in fact, remember from. Ben just said, these people are our foes, Jeff. He said, they are. I said, I know. And then they were our neighbors as kids. Mm. You know, we grew up with them, but they are. He said, they are absolutely dangerous mm-hmm. to the state. And I said, I know. But they're having fun right now because they have a demagogue. And and I think there's there's an empowerment mm-hmm. within my community right now. They feel that they can act out. We saw that the guy um, shining uh, racial epithets and somebody in a steakhouse today in Portland. And then came back. Oh, in Portland, I didn't know that. Yeah, mm. and then came back with a knife. And I mean, I'm going to say, oh, he's a kook, but there's too much of it going on mm-hmm. for people that feel like they have license now mm-hmm. to do it. Mm-hmm. And it, it is political swing is like a pendulum. It swings a little far right and it swings a little far left. Mm-hmm. People felt under Barack Obama that we went far left, and boy, we did we see a reaction. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and in Congress, like I say I will point a finger at Congress because they did not cooperate with Barack. Right, they would not do a damn thing. They sat there with our he- heels dug in, and said no. And I believe it was race. 
Mm-hmm. I believe that there was a lot of it that was racially motivated. Of course. And because they didn't do anything, suddenly we got Trump, and he said during the swamp, and now they're, you know, both parties are in a way against him. Mm-hmm. And we are where we are being led to, like I say, we're heading closer and closer to maybe despotism and tyranny and maybe dictatorship. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe we have, a, maybe we have a failed republic. And if that is the case, um, wow. But it's the, as you know, the people want it. And they scare me. Half of the country. They... <laughs> they... Remind me, and these are my own people, they remind me very much of that body that was attracted to the guy with the funny mustache. Right? Not overly intellectual. Oh, okay. Extremely patriotic, nationalistic, and full of fear, and wanting to hear that it was going to be okay and that they were right. Mm-hmm. And if they can hear that, then they, they're going to believe that. And, you know, he's, he's redefining things. I mean, I'm, democracy, in fact, this show is about democracy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We're we're losing all the small newspapers in America. Mm-hmm. I have a guy over here, Commission Motorsports, that owns, uh, the, he deals in printing presses. He's got thousands of them left because all these small towns, printing presses are out of business. Yes, when we lose every newspaper, we lose a little bit of democracy. We lose that small town reporting. Mm. Did you see the thing on the news? I'll give you an example. This thing on the news about the girl that was the homecoming princess and kicked the extra point. <laughs> no. She's been on every news channel now for okay. two days as a feel-good story. Mm. Is that significant to you or I? No. And why is it on national TV? But that's what I'm talking about. It, 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 we're diluting or, you know, we're diluting the, um, the mix, the, the, the democracy by... Shutting off by only having five, let's say, news networks. We're not getting the full news, the full story. Now, I hate the term fake news because they're important to this, <laughs> to the estate, right? The third estate, you know, we all have a role in this thing. But at the same, you know, I look back on it and I, I, I see them. I said, well, you know, we also had yellow dog journalism where essentially <clears throat> what's, um, Hearst, Randolph Hearst fabricated the Spanish-American War, mm. right, by wanting to sell more newspapers mm. and claimed that the U.S. Maine was blown up by, you know, Cuban spies. It wasn't. It was, you know, it was the construction of the poor construction Stuff of the ship. like that happens mm-hmm. I got a question for you that I didn't even think about until we, until recently. Or I, it's something that I thought about, but I didn't think about asking you this, but, like, I think it's it's necessary. And you talked about France mm-hmm. and how important they were to, like, the foundational core beliefs of America. Yes. Um, and you can also go back to manifest destiny and all that type of stuff. And this is one thing, like I said, I'm young and I'm, I'm learning. Like, I'm really, over the past two, three years, I've been doing a lot of reading. And I've had to unlearn a lot of stuff. And I had to relearn all. Lies your history of, teachers taught you? No, not. <laughs> but you know what I mean. No, nah, you were you were talking that real, but it's just like oh, that was two years of my first, you know, eighteen years of life, and I wasn't really learning much about what's what's were, really going on. So my, my question is, why 
are white people so bent on kind of being like savage and like and and uh and dominating other people. My flaws and all, see. I'm fragile, but by grace I am choosing peace over losing sleeping. I must say these sandals fit quite nicely over these pillows. Nike sacks, Birkenstocks. Oh, what a faux pas. Unmasked, unabashed, unashamed. Uh, hear the voice set up unacclaimed. Yeah, hear the voice set up unacclaimed. Maybe that's a taboo. Maybe it's a fad, but maybe just in fact I was used to wearing bad shoes. Uh. Nike socks, Birkenstocks, oh what a faux pas, unmasked, unabashed, unashamed, uh, hit a voice set of unacclaimed, yeah, hit a voice set of